Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Uh, I want to wish a very happy 4th of July to all of our American listeners, but most of all, my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going good. Um, had a nice little holiday uh, with friends. Uh, no complaints there. Um, just want to make sure all of our audio is working. I think it is. Uh, uh, if we can get a confirmation in the chat, but otherwise, I think we're doing well. Okay, well, I'm I'm really hoping that it's working because it's been a little while uh, since you and I have just talked one on one about the Cavs because it's uh, we we had Matt Moore on, which was great, but we we just didn't get into the Cavs and we haven't really since the draft. And I have so many thoughts, and I probably would have had more thoughts if some of these guys were able to play in summer league. Um, the news came out today that Kevin Porter Jr. is unlikely to play in Vegas. Uh, Darius Garland's already been uh, kind of ruled out for summer league. So we basically got the Windler show and nothing else. Uh, as much as I like the idea of seeing Dylan Windler get face guarded in Salt Lake <laughs> City, uh, it wasn't uh, super fun to watch. Um, and I don't, I don't know, man. I, it was like, you know, these are the lean times as a Cavs fan mm-hmm. and uh, you know, getting hyped about stupid summer league performance is really all we got. So how dare they take that from us? It, it's really absurd because remember how excited we got, like there, there were people including myself that were questioning the Sexton pick, but it was summer league that kind of got us to buy in a little bit that even if he's um, got a long way to go, you could tell he was going to be fun. He was going to talk trash. He was going to do that thing where he's flexing on Josh Hart for, for no reason on the defensive possession. I, I wanted moments like that. I wanted Kevin Porter Jr. to dunk on dudes. And as you said, Windler getting face guarded. Because a- after the first game in Summer League, I think they realized, hey, this is the only NBA player on the court here for the Cavs. And the only guy we have to pay any attention to, and he's a pretty good shooter. So we're just going to double. We're going to hedge. We're, we're going to face guard him. And none of these guards are even going to find him if, they're, if he's wide open. So it's, uh, it's drained a lot of the fun out of Summer League for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I am not feeling as though we're going to have a lot of must-watches. I mean, barring some, like, crazy Darius Garland random appearance that we aren't currently expecting i mean the fact that they already rolled kpj out for the entirety of summer league is like shit man it's a it's a tough look it's a tough look um what are you gonna do though i mean they also shouldn't play him if he's hurt for summer league just because we're bored no no i i completely agree i mean this is this is about as selfish and self-indulgent as it gets but um that's kind of our brand yeah it, it really is it really is and I, so I want to get your thoughts because we signed off on draft night before basically Windler and uh, KPJ were part of the Cavs. And I have a feeling that I'm a lot higher on this draft class all around than you are. And, and I want to get some of your general thoughts. Um, you know, I think that it's important to note that uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I think all of this should be prefaced from both of us, actually, that we don't know what we're talking about. No, I know. With Continue to these prospects, um, I think that I've warmed up a little bit, and here's why. Okay, uh, I think that I'm more okay with the idea of Sexton as a long-term bench player. Um, uh, and with regards to Windler and Porter Jr., I think that 
uh, when, you know, in our discord chat and maybe a little bit on Twitter, like I kind of like put out the idea that this is not a player I'm expecting. These aren't players I'm expecting to end up playing for big minutes for us. And what I meant by that wasn't because they're bad prospects. It's because they were picked 26th and 30th. Right. And, and those guys just historically, um, do not <laughs> Damon just said I look like I'm taking a temporary break from my call center gig that's me you do you do I, I Damon um, you know I think that uh, you know those guys just traditionally do not uh, contribute at a high level in the NBA so if the Cavs are able to find a rotation player out of either of those guys I think it should be considered a win mm-hmm. um, I, I, so from that end I'm warming up Wendler does look pretty good I mean uh, a stiff breeze could knock him over uh, <laughs> right now, but uh, he looks like he can shoot the hell out of the ball. And I do want to say something, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where um, people are going to laugh at us because, Oh, you know, you're overreacting to summer league and all this bullshit. But uh, that step back 30 footer he took uh, that stuff matters, not because it went in, but yeah. because that dude is arrogant enough to take the shot. Right, and and we dealt with, like, think about where we were at the start of the season. So we had a lot of veterans that were traded to the team that were kind of checked out. They knew they were going to get moved at some point. And when you kick to Rodney Hood wide open in the corner, he was going to dribble for a while and then take a contested 15-footer. Dylan Windler is going to take that shot. I... So I do think Windler is actually going to get some minutes, especially if the Cavs don't bring back David Nwaba or really anyone else to back up Jetty at the small forward position. And I do think that there's a bit of a market inefficiency when it comes to college seniors. Like, I, I oh, think... Totally. I, and I think at the end of the draft, like, he's not going to be someone that expects to be an all-star or anything like that, but he's going to know his role. He's athletic, and that's something that you could tell right away at, at Summer League. Like, he stands out as an NBA athlete, and I think that's something that was important to see. He's going to take shots, and he's going to be a smart player. And I, I think that somebody that understands their role and has a little bit more of a refined skill set I, I think that that's going to be something that the Cavs can use right away, especially one development is going to be um, so heavily emphasized by the Cavs. So um, he's a guy that I do see getting minutes right off the bat because shooting is going to be so important when you do have two guards like uh, Sexton and Garland that are going to want to get into the lane. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, I think that there's been one ethos uh, of this uh, offseason so far is that, Kobe Altman wanted to add some shooting to this team and give his guards uh, a chance to succeed. You know, like right. Sexton so often was dribbling into uh, a packed lane with three or four defenders in and really nowhere for him to go. Uh, and that's just so hard to succeed in. So Yeah, and they added two of yeah. the best five uh, three-point shooters in the draft, basically. And even Kevin Porter Jr., even like his form is a little janky. Um, it looks a little bit better in game action, but it, it's still, he shot above 40% from three and there's something to work with there. It's not somebody that's scared to shoot. Um, he, he's raw and, and he's somebody that is going to take time and maybe you, you start him off with lower minutes and then he can kind of earn it as the season goes along. But he's somebody that, and I written about this today when it came out that Justin Holiday and, and the Cavs might have some mutual interest. 
I honestly feel like the worst case scenario for Kevin Porter Jr. in his career is Justin Holiday. They, they have very similar frames. Holiday doesn't make anybody better. Um, he's a very inconsistent shooter. And I just think that uh, Porter Jr., at the very least, I think he's going to be a good defensive player. He's very aggressive and he is talented. And if your goal is developing for the future, I would rather just give those minutes to Kevin Porter Jr. Now, if they bring back someone like David Nwaba, absolutely. He can back up Jetty and uh, KPJ is going to have to fight for minutes. But if that's not the case and you don't have an established veteran there, I'd rather... I'd rather give the minutes to the young guys than some journeyman that we know is never going to be part of the future and doesn't really contribute in any of the ways that the Cavs need. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm just not here to get worked up about Justin Holiday, and now I don't. I am. I am. It's I this is July. That. This is July, it, Carter, this and this is, July is what we get worked up. Team that sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, if he, I, how many minutes is he really going to eat? I think a lot of this depends on kind of what they end up doing with the other guards in their rotation right now. I think that's a big factor because this is a team right now that is chock full of these like high usage guards that all kind of want to pound the rock and, and attack and take a lot of shots and aren't particularly great at getting the team to their offense. Um, you know, I don't really see where a guy like holiday would even fit in the rotation. I guess they'd put no. him at the three behind jetty, but that would just kind of knock uh, Windler out of the rotation. And I'd rather just play the kid. Um, absolutely and it would make sense if justin holiday was a playmaking wing because then you can get some of that what we were talking about with potentially drafting culver which was a guy that's going to be able to kind of create some looks for the guards they can play a little bit off ball and, and a, a creating wing but he's not that guy he's not someone that's going to pass and for that reason i don't really have a lot of interest in him yeah, I think that's the thing is like you want a guy like, you know, which is funny to say because no one would say that this guy was particularly amazing as a Cavalier, but a guy you kind of want is someone like a Brandon Knight who can kind of still get you into your offense as a secondary ball handler. Like he added a lot of value this year next to Sexton. Um, so, yeah, I, these low usage guys I that, you know, aren't really great passers or great creators, I don't really see – the value they in it like they don't do anything for me they like yeah get a shooter i'd rather bring back sauce uh and here's the reality justin um this is a team that potentially is not going to trade jr smith's deal because they're that would put them up against the luxury tax mm-hmm. um i'm sorry are we really gonna are they really gonna go over the tax or push themselves uh, out of flexibility for Justin Holiday. <laughs> no, 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 of course. The they're, they're going to wave JR, then they're going to trade to get a little more space, and then we're going to bring Boogie into the mix. Boogie. <laughs> you know, it's funny we joke. We always, we always have that joke, or at least I do, that um, I, I never believed. I always thought that there was no such thing as a no-risk signing until Andrew Bynum got signed in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Fuck learning lessons from the past. Bring Boogie in on the mid-level. <laughs> Let him rebuild his value. We'll trade him at the deadline. <laughs> oh, man. So one thing I want to circle back to, because you knew this was going to happen. It didn't matter who the Cavs were going to draft. I was going to talk myself into them to some extent. Sure. Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, I, I know 
we've both talked about the most likely outcome would be for Sexton to become kind of a bench option. But I do still think that there is an opportunity for these two guys, at least for the next two, maybe three years. I'd want to be starting them together. You may start stagger their minutes, but I actually think that this is going to be something that would help their development because ultimately when you look at the modern NBA point guards, yeah, th- there's very few successful teams that have one guy that creates for everybody. Typically you have multiple yeah. initiators, even Steph Curry, who is kind of the model example of a guy that is a score first point guard that gets other guys involved. He plays off ball a ton. And he has Draymond Green create for him. Uh, he had Kevin Durant create. Uh, Andre Iguodala would create. And I, I think both Sexton and Garland being forced to play off ball to some extent and, and move around, I think that's really good for their development. Now, you might, let's say both of them are playing 32 minutes a game. They play 16 minutes a game uh, together, and then you stagger them. I, I think you're going to have enough time with them being on their own to develop some of those skills while also learning how to play off of one another. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, this is a team that has, uh, you know, not much in the way of long-term pieces. And uh, the worst thing that I think they can do, and the thing that I think if you're concerned about this pick that uh, had me a little upset was the idea of them just kind of kicking Sexton's development to the side or like having a guy stagnate. And right. I don't really, I don't really see that being a problem as of now. Um, like if you do start them together, yeah, it's going to be hard to win, but mm-hmm. you're not like fucking one of the players up. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. And and the other thing too is Colin Sexton got better as the year progressed and it got better after the all-star break. And when you look at some of the reasons for the improvement, a lot of it did come from him improving his three-point shot, both from a volume and percentage standpoint. Um, but the type of looks he was getting were different too. Like um, even though the the net rating wasn't great with him and Brandon Knight together, with he was showing a willingness to play off ball. But before the All Star break, I think only twenty per, or ten percent of his looks were catch and shoot. He doubled that. It was twenty percent after the All Star break, and he was playing off ball. Darius Garland played off ball a, a fair bit at Vanderbilt, and I do still think that he's. I, I think he has more potential as a passer than he's shown. And hmm. I get the defensive concerns with those two, but the reason Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are going to suck defensively next year is because they're 19 and 20 years old and they're sure are. Sure I, are. I, I do think that both of them have the, the physical frame to at least be good positional defenders. Uh, Garland's 6'3". He has a bigger wingspan than Steph Curry, and Curry has developed into a, a good um, uh, positional defender. You, you have the Toronto Raptors who just won a championship with Lowry and Van Vliet playing 17 minutes together a, a game, and their defense got better with the two of those guys on the court together, even though both of them are under six feet. So the Cavs have better size than some backcourts that have worked. As I said, maybe you have to stagger them, but you're not competing for a championship. So I think at this point, you're better off playing those two together and getting them to learn how to be unselfish. Not, I, I don't want each of them – I don't think the best way to develop them would be to give – each of them a 30% usage on their own. Like I, I'm not concerned about one stunting the other's growth because I think them being forced to play together is going to be good for their, their long-term success. Yeah, if they're stunting anything, it's just the team's success. <laughs> That's I, I don't know about that. I don't oh, know about come on. 
you know it's not going to be good on court. And that's okay. That's okay. Short-term success, okay. not long Not good compared to what? Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, to last year? Because la- well, hold on, Justin. Let's call mm-hmm. let's call it what it is. Right now, this year, the Cavs would be better if they started Justin Holiday as shooting guard. I disagree. I disagree. I think that they would be building towards something. I don't think that's the right decision, but I think Justin Holiday is objectively a better basketball player. At what? At guarding <laughs> shooting guards. Okay, De- defensively. I get that, but I, I think there is a gap both at, from a playmaking and scoring perspective. Like, he is horrifically inefficient. We're talking, like, a 50% true shooting percentage. And, yeah. if, and if we're going to assume any growth from Colin Sexton, um, I, I think it, it's safe to assume that he is a better scorer and playmaker. Can, and, can you allow me a, a, an adjustment to my original statement? Yes, I, I will allow you to walk it back. A free agent shooting guard that is not... Justin Holiday that they could sign for a relatively affordable contract would be better. Like if they had David Nwaba in there next to Jetty, it'd probably be a better team. I, I that's my point. I can, but I don't care. But I don't care is the point. It's not the right decision for these guys' development in the short term because you just want to get them minutes. You want to get them exposure. You don't want to be choking down any of their offensive creativity. Uh, I think it will do them both good, good to learn how to play off ball more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know what? You are willing to eat some L's or this early in the process Yeah, is what it comes down to. Yeah, and I, I do think that there's a potential for them to improve defensively. I understand that uh, they've potentially lost Nawaba here. But let's be honest, like what they were trotting out last year, you had Nawaba who missed half the season. You had Tristan Thompson who missed 50 games. Larry Nance Jr. missed a lot of games. Kevin Love missed a lot of games. And Kevin Love's ability to get defensive rebounds and even play defense at the four is better than uh, what they had, which was Jetty Osman playing a lot of four. So I think guys yeah. just sliding to their natural position. And um, even with those two guards, the, those two young guards playing together, it's... I just, I've never been one, and you, you have to admit, I've been consistent on this. I've just never been one that to think that guards defense really impacts team defense the same way it does for front court players. And, and I think Jetty being a more natural position, Tristan Thompson playing more, Kevin Love playing more, Larry Nance in a more manageable role, maybe John Henson. Um, like, I, I do think that that's going to improve them defensively compared to the, the MASH unit that they had last year. Yeah, and like, and I think it's worth noting. Um, while I have some skepticism as to the extent to which you're right, that will be better defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of value in not having already lost your season. Yeah, no, like, I, I like this, agree. this season was punted on four days in uh, last year, and that's hard on a basketball team's spirit. Yeah. Uh, and, we we uh, had a coach that literally was questioning, openly questioning whether or not he wanted to coach ever again. Like, I, I think that that's a tough look. Like, the fact that you have a coaching staff that knows exactly what the season's going to be, they're going to be able to go into training camp with the full roster and um, design an offense around it rather than a adjustment after two weeks, I think that's going to put them in a much, much better position. Yeah, I would agree with that. I. You know, I, I'm looking forward to this season. I think that we are moving too. we are moving towards the have something to really look forward to part of the year. 
mm-hmm. are part of the rebuild. Um, you know, Garland, a lot of people really do think that this guy might end up being uh, an actual, you know, some of the highest star potential in the class. And it'll be yeah. fun to see that work. It'll be fun to see year two of Sexton, uh, Jetty in a more reasonable role. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he, I think he's him in a more reasonable role, and especially in a beeline offense where he's had success with two ball dominant guards in the past, and he's had sure. guys like Jetty that have excelled. Um, uh, comment in our Twitch there. We had struggles against zone defenses last year. I don't think we're going to have struggles against zone defense. So did the Raptors and Warriors in the NBA Finals. Jesus. So no. Yeah, yeah. There you go. We were close to being a Finals team again. Um, I Garland has me really excited. And yeah, I think so. I, I, I shared this before, but I think that his kind of floor is like Kemba Walker, essentially. Like, I think that, he's going to be... Justin. Well, I, that's probably more about how little I think about Kemba Walker. Um, like, I don't think he's actually an all-star. I think that was a feel-good thing. But he he's a guy that fits the mold of the type of player that every single fan base enjoys if you have him on your team. Somebody that can shoot off a live dribble at a very high rate, can pull up behind the three-point line, and has a very good handle. Like, I, I think how many of those players – that do that efficiently don't pan out to be very good. Like at the yeah. very, very good. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is a floor raiser um, at this point, if you can actually do it. I think that's the big thing as we've, mm-hmm. we've seen guys come in with like, Oh, he can shoot off the dribble. And then it's like, mm, he can't really shoot off the dribble. Um, this guy right now looks like very much like he's going to fit that bill. And it's a floor raiser because it, it, it requires defenses to react in ways they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes them uh, leap out of the pick and roll 25 feet from the rim when they might just go under that far out against any other guard. Yeah. Uh, and once you get that uh, defense stretched out, you can really start to manipulate it. And I think that's really what he's going to have to learn how to do that he doesn't know how to do right now mm-hmm. is, is really manipulate those defenses and, take those advantages and find those weak side corner passes. Cause right now he doesn't really do that at a very high level, but that's okay. Yeah. I mean, this is what but he does is. do it. He does do it just yeah. not at a consistent high level. So he, yeah. he's shown the potential for that vision and he's made advanced passes, which to me is encouraging. It's just about, um, and maybe this, that's something that would have developed if he had a full season in college, like a little more maturity, getting to see the game more, um, it, he's going to have to do a lot of what Sexton has to do, though, which is studying film and kind of learning to recognize what the defense is doing uh, before it actually occurs, which is reading and not reacting, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. And I don't think – I think that it is a little uh, – this, this seems a little uh, overstated, but, like, I think we – I at least have had a little anxiety about his lack of vision or, you know, supposed lack of vision. Yeah, because we are we have just dealt with it with Sexton, mm-hmm. you know. Who I think, even though he does make some of the right reads, like I just after one season, it does feel like at the level it needs to be at, it is a bit more of an attribute than a skill. Yeah, uh, floor vision. I don't think we're dealing with a Sexton level passer here. I think no. I think this guy has a little bit better vision than that. Um, no, and, and even guys like uh, Mike Schmidt uh, had said 
that he thinks that Garland is actually an underrated passer. And a lot of the the scouts that I value their opinion have said that they believe that he can be a, a good passer. And like, we're and not worth noting, he was playing with some garbage. Yeah, some real trash. And um, again, that's getting me excited. That's in the Kyrie territory of, of course he's not passing. None of these guys can score as well as him. And, and that's that's getting me back into my comfort zone. And I feel like I can uh, be irrationally high on Garland because even before he was coming to the Cavs and we had any indication, I was saying that the Lakers should take Garland and I would take him over D'Lo, like not even factoring in contracts. Like I just thought that he could be kind of that 85% of Kyrie and would be a great fit with LeBron. And I was hyping him up even when he was going to the damn Lakers. So I feel like if I did that, I'm allowed to be very excited when he's on the Cavs. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm still like a little more tempered, but ultimately I think the season has a lot more potential to be fun. Uh, you know, I was very much on team last season was not fucking fun. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. It was brutal. I couldn't believe I was wasting my time watching every we day. We had moments. We had moments, baby. Uh, with, yeah, some moments. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, and I also think whether they keep Kevin Love is a big um, – kind of connector about how fun the season is going to be and how easy it's going to look for these guys yeah. because that and, was, and how healthy big, he stays if they do yeah. keep him. and that was the biggest reason that i felt like last season wasn't fun is like the second love came back i was like oh okay this is watchable this is a watchable product right uh, and that's that's all i remember from last season was the the love games basically because <laughs> after after that then you had jetty who finished really strong, especially after he was dealing with some injuries. He had Sexton who finished strong. Um, so I'm really hoping that we build off that, but we've talked about it before. We've been fooled by post-All-Star break sure have. before. And I, I think some caution would probably be smart. But I just I feel like this is going to be a much, much more fun team, Just even just for the fact that we have five young guys worth caring about in Jetty, Sexton, Garland, uh, Porter, and Windler. Yeah, I think just like, yeah, there's just so many lineups that the Cavs ran out last year where I was like, don't need to pay attention to this. No, no. We uh, <laughs> learn here. There, there was a lot of Blossom game. Like, that's the thing. Uh, like, I, I would rather just play Kevin Porter Jr. in kind of that seventh or eighth man role and just kind of ride that. Like, I'd rather give him Clarkson's minutes. And it was kind of funny. I, so Clarkson, I, I think this is something we need to touch on. He did hire Rich Paul. He changed his representation. And I don't think that you hire Rich Paul to negotiate your extension in Cleveland. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. No, no, that's not exactly Rich's, uh, Rich's uh, MO. Um, you, you get your guy where he wants to go. And, you know, I think Jordy has been all right. Uh, I think I grew to like him a little more than I ever expected to last year. But, you know, if – I think I think we'd all be happy with seeing him go to a contender at the deadline that's looking mm-hmm. for a little scoring punch. And, you know, I, I had this thought, and I wondered what you thought about it. Okay. Um, so this is like maybe it's one degree of Kevin Bacon too far. But uh, I was thinking about the fact that uh, Hood and Hill had pretty much no value after, especially Hood, uh, had, had no value. Oh, you're taking my take, aren't you? After, yeah, after uh, last year, after two years ago in the playoffs, absolutely fell apart. Hill was not great. Clarkson was horrific. 
but Clarkson and Hood specifically were terrible. Hood played really well in the playoffs this year for the Blazers. Hill played really well in the playoffs this year for the Bucks. And I'm just wondering I'm just wondering if maybe that the league looks at Clarkson a little different after that. Like, okay, maybe it was just a bad playoffs where it's mm-hmm. like not he can't help us. It's oh, he had a bad stretch on a team with insane amounts of pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh and a guy who's not always that easy to play alongside in LeBron. I I think there's real potential for that. Like, I think he is, and we have to be honest, like when you're, we're talking about bench players, you're almost always talking about guys with wards and guys that you have to kind of make a night-to-night decision on whether or not their contributions are valuable or if you're going to set them for somebody else. I think Clarkson is a good bench player. I think that his... Even his playmaking wasn't terrible, like relative to kind of what expectations would be for him. He does have a willingness to at least move the ball and isn't necessarily a ball stopper. My take is I think he's going to have more value as an expiring um, because he does like that contract as an expiring has value. And I think he also brings value on court immediately. So he can give you that salary relief while maybe even upgrading a bench for a playoff team. I think he's going to have more value on the trade market this year than Corver, Hood, or Burks last year. I mean, I think that's a too bold of a take, but you do see places I'm, where he could go. I'm going bold. Um, I'm going bold today, man. There's no way, no reason to be meek. And you, and you know, I respect it, Justin. You know, I think you look at a team like the Sixers and like what a perfect landing spot for Clarkson. That's a team that really lacks primary initiators with the ball, mm-hmm. um, and. And he can play just enough off ball as a shooter to survive. And they're so huge. They can cover a lot of his defensive warts. And that's a player that I I really think could help a team like the Sixers, who when the postseason comes are going to have trouble scoring. And, uh, you know, they're going to want a guy who could just make conjure a bucket out of thin air because they just let their other guy walk for Al Horford. (laughs) Man. We, we're going to get into free agency in a bit, but yeah, uh, the Sixers, they're, uh, that's something. That's like, a that's, weird that's, team, man. That's a whole lot of dudes that don't want the ball at the end of the game. Ha <laughs> ha, shit. <laughs> oh, man. Man, oh, man. That's, uh, yeah, I, I could see them. The only thing with the Sixers is it would be tough to make the money work. Um, I, I don't know how you would get Clarkson on there, but I, I do think that there is a, a few teams that, that would like him. Uh, only guy that I really see potentially moving this summer is Hanson. Um, just because I, I think some team is going to convince themselves, oh, well, it was more or less not a serious injury that he was sitting out last season for, and he looked good before, and we want to get him in for training camp. Uh, it'd be nice to have that as a value big and and some team taking a chance on him. Other than that, I, I think everybody else, all, all the other veterans like Clarkson and Knight um, or Thompson, if Thompson ends up getting moved, I think that, that that would occur a little closer to the deadline. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's, I mean, the one thing that I will say is uh, where, where Kawhi lands, and I'm sure by the time this publishes uh, for our audio friends, uh, <laughs> he'll have already picked because fuck us. But, um, you know, I think maybe Love goes to a contender depending on the Kawhi thing. You know, if he stays in Toronto and Masai wants to make another – add another star-esque player, you yeah. know, I think there's something there. Um, but, yeah. Especially I think when you see some of the contracts that were given out. Like, yeah. 
I, I think right. he looks more attractive and less egregious by the day, in my opinion. And, yeah. and I think that that's why you're getting analysts like Zach Lowe that are pitching it out more and more. Um, typically, when you see media guys kind of hone in on that, they know that there's some market out there for the guy. Yeah, like uh, if you can believe it, the dunk on guys might have uh, oh. undervalued how tradable uh, a guy that was being highly paid uh, was. Shocking, uh, shocking. Go jerk, go jerk off to someone making the mid-level. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just think that I think that uh, they do have a lot of pieces they're going to look to trade at the deadline. I mean, I think Thompson is a very possible trade at the deadline. I think mm-hmm. Clarkson is a very possible trade at the deadline. I mean, I, I've heard they'd be looking to trade Henson at the deadline, and can you fucking believe it? That's not a, that's not exactly crazy intel. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it just seems like a lot of guys could be on the move and the Cavs do have a lot of guys who, you know, it it feels like the Cavs are very much stocked with guys, uh, outside of Kevin Love, that would be great fifth through eighth men for a playoff team. I agree. Yeah. There, there's a lot of kind of valuable pieces there. And personally, I, I hope they keep love, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're both. I think we're both there at this point, right? Like, even if they get a trade that sounds okay, I think both of us just like having them on the team. Yeah. Um, that, but if we're playing GM, I think we probably have a different way to feel. Yeah, I, I mean, a deal that sounds okay is fine, but Kevin Love sounds good. And do you, do you know what doesn't sound good though, Carter? Do you know what the worst sound is? Huh, just tell me about it, Justin. <laughs> the worst sound in the world is your alarm clock going off when you haven't got enough sleep. No matter, no matter how much you love that song on your phone, when it wakes you up in the morning, you just want it to stop. I, I mean, you guys don't want to look like Carter or myself. Look, look at us. For those on the Twitch, look, look at the bags under our eyes. Carter's going to get even less sleep once he has a kid. It's, it's not a good look. It's not the way to go. And you end up uh, being late when you're trying to publish a Twitch stream. Now, now, imagine this scenario, Carter. The surface temperature of your bed gradually adjusts to wake you up gently and naturally without even the sound of an alarm. Imagine oh, now Justin. Imagine now waking up well-rested and alert. It's not science fiction, Carter. This is the new pod by 8sleep. The pod by 8sleep is a high-tech bed designed to specifically help you achieve your optimal sleep fitness just justin does does hype magazine call eight one of the best inventions of last year you bet your damn ass it does it combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery it learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically that means if you like your bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm now you can both have that and your ideal temperature at the exact same time in a crazy comfortable bed no more alarm clocks. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase, a $300 value free. Offer ends Monday, July 8th. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. Are, are you a cold sleeper or a hot sleeper, Justin? I'm cold. I will sleep nude on top of the sheets. Yeah, I will too. And uh, I think that it's the better way to sleep. Like there's a there's a whole subset of society that sleeps in pajamas, you know, like a pair of sweats and a t-shirt. And I don't see why you would ever do that. No, especially when you can go to eightsleep.com slash blue wire. 
You, Hell you, yeah, brother. You you cut me off right before the end of the ad read. And I oh, just, I thought you already got through it. I'm no, sorry. no, no. I got to spell it out. E-I-G-H-T. Sleep. Two. Dot. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. There was a little typo in the copy there. Just read it again, Justin. No one has to know. <laughs> oh, no. E-I-G-H-T. Sleep. Dot com slash blue wire. Wow. That's that's live live production for you, kids. You know what? Honestly, right after this, I am going to go check that out. Uh, that's, that's that sounds amazing. That's three hundred dollar value. Like I I I like a bargain, and I'm I'm literally going to do that after. And, and we do a lot of good show prep because I had ne- I hadn't read that copy before. Well, so I was no. I was blown away. I was blown away, Carter. Well, I, you know, in in defense of you. Um, they did this bullet style copy, which I actually liked. It kind of lets you uh, lets you freelance a little bit more. Um, it's less and, intimidating. Yeah, a little less intimidating. And uh, I did like the read. It got me. It got me drawn in because, like you, I also didn't read the copy, so I was <laughs> just kind of along for the ride. No, it doesn't sound good though, Carter. What? Turning Kyrie Irving and Al Horford into Kemba Walker and Enos Cantor. And calling and, and managing to call it a win all the while. Oh, it's great. It's great. They really think it's going to work out well. Oh, man. man I, I mean, like, yes, yes, Kemba, sure. Kemba, he might be a worse scorer. He might be less efficient. He might be a worse passer and defender than Kyrie. But you know what? He has shown in Charlotte that he knows how to play with other guys that need the ball, other star players. And that type of leadership is something you just can't find anywhere, man. I, I think, uh, I, I think that he's going to be able to plug in perfectly, just just seamlessly there. Well, at least Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo like him. So you know that's. <laughs> by the way, I, I I'm going to throw a little media shade here, Justin. If you can clear out from clear out, I'll um, clear out. I'll, I'll back away. I'll, I'll, I'll even go away from the camera. One second. Uh, you son of a bitch! I hate this guy. He just, he is such a piece of, okay, he's back. So the Ryan Rosillas of the world um, like to do this thing where, because they were from a region and once were fans of something, Mm -hmm. uh, they think that just because they're critical of the team in, in, in like that think they, they think that makes them not homers or like not invested. And it's like, Ryan, no one makes you this mad except Kyrie. And <laughs> I, I can't help but think that you wouldn't be this upset if it were, if it were happening on the Nets this year. No. Um, and because, and like, that also happened on – oh, my God. Uh, that happened on uh, Dunked On as well, uh, where they were like, oh, you think we're Warriors homers? Uh, watch us criticize them for the D'Lo trade. And it's like <laughs> – Bro, I don't think you understand that fans get mad at their GM for making moves all the time. Yeah, it's it's one of our go-to moves. Like that's that's pretty typical like, fan behavior. That, does, that doesn't prove that you're you're in the clear and that you didn't care. Also, ripping the guy that's on the way out instead of putting any blame on the people that are still going to be there that doesn't make you a uh, that doesn't make you a, a, an objective fan or a good media person. But I, I do enjoy them at times. Uh, Russillo, I, I do really like. Especially, yeah, I like the pod, but I just need them to know that they're more compromised than they think they are. Yeah, well, Russillo really gives off the the douchebag vibes that I try to put off as well. So yeah. I really do appreciate it. Um, it I'm is. A, 
so it is a little tough for me. Um, it, it didn't really register because I was out of the con or I was out of the city and I didn't really have any data service. So I was getting updates very, very, very sporadically. And I was kind of laughing at, at, at my Knicks uh, for, for falling apart and not getting anyone. And then I realized that these guys are going to be ruining RJ Barrett for me. And that, that hurt, man. Cause sure. I, I mean, my Knicks, they, they're just, they're, they're going to be struggling, but I've already talked myself into Julius Randle. Uh, the Randle-RJ pick and roll, it's, it's, going to, it's going to change the world, man. You know they're not going to run that, right? <laughs> okay. The, the Randle-RJ um, triangle with yeah it's gonna be so bad bro you're yeah. it's 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 not looking good i just like i think it was simmons the podcast we just made fun of uh where they were like you know how duke he didn't have a very good situation wasn't put in a position to succeed no shooting no mm-hmm. pick and roll well welcome to new york buddy because that, that's not fucking changing oh man it's bad welcome um, to dennis smith jr <laughs> <laughs> so what what teams kind of stood out to you um are we going to yeah. do the hipster thing where we um where we really kind of pump the tires to the utah jazz or are we going to spend much time doing that uh i want to talk about the sixers first because i think they're really really interesting um and so on one hand uh they they did some stuff i liked um i i don't know if jet I don't know if the Jimmy thing was ever going to work. I know that he was really good for them in a postseason, but like one, the back half of that contract is going to look ugly. And two, I think that, you know, ultimately you're going to have to sink or swim with Simmons. That's kind of the way I feel at least. Um, And it might feel a little uncomfortable early on, but eventually like you're going to have to figure that out. Like, the answer is not to stash him in the dunker spot and say, fuck you. No, not at all. That, that, that is not going to be the solution. And so, like, do you, so, but hold on, let me, can, sorry, I wasn't quite done yet. So no, that's first, okay. off, first off, I feel like you had to eventually kind of depend on Simmons. Horford is an okay, like high post creator, I guess for them and can shoot a little bit. Uh, but Richardson is actually a piece I'd be really excited about because no, he can't shoot like JJ, but he can actually defend and you don't have a weak link at the lineup and you have an extra tertiary creator. And maybe Tobias Harris will actually have to play like a, a, a grown up. Like he was so, uh, he was like, I feel like Tobias Harris and his worst moments disappears and mm-hmm. talk about an easy situation to disappear in last year. Uh, whereas they're going to actually have to say, Tobias, we need you get us a bucket. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation. So I forget which podcast I was listening to that kind of brought it up this way. It might have been the low post. I've gone really deep because a lot of uh, American media is off this week with 4th of July. So I'm going a little deeper in my podcast rotation than I normally would. Also, I want to give a quick shout out with the starters guys being free agents. They have started a long form podcast, which I haven't heard them basically do since the basketball Jones called the free agents. That is really great to hear again. Really excited to listen to it. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. It it made me so happy to see that again. Love those guys. But they made basically the point of, okay, they did give up a lot for Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. But if you do look at it as receiving Josh Richardson, Al Horford, um, and uh, Tobias Harris, it makes it a little bit more palpable. And yeah. 
personally, I think uh, Josh Richardson is a better player than Robert Covington, and I think that that balances out a lot. Um, and uh, you'd obviously take Tobias Harris over Sarich. Um, it does come with the qualifier that he's being paid now, but it, on the surface, I like each of the individual moves. It just comes down to I just don't know who's going to take the last shot yeah, for them. Yeah, if I let's let's just kind of like power rank our concerns um, for that's, the six. That's number one, right? Uh, number one for me uh, is yes, shot creation. Uh, number two for me is foot speed. That's a slow defense. I know we're all really excited about how big they are and how smart they are. You still got to be able to cover ground, right? Like Al Horford is not a full-time power forward at the stage of his career. To my no, I, I think I think much better Al- suited to play power forward defensively. Yeah, I think Al Horford's probably going to play about eighteen minutes a game at the center position like i think every helps i think every minute and, and brett brown has shown that he staggers oh. guys a lot i so i think that he's going to play like 18 at, at center and then like 12 but even then they signed kylo quinn then like oh yeah i guess they signed kylo quinn who basically is just a center and so the other option is mike scott who while i'm a big mike scott stand for whatever reason i just always like because he shoots yeah, I, I like guys who are willing to shoot the puck and ball and aren't afraid. Um, <laughs> like his lineup data has pretty much never been good. Um, yeah. And like, it's like, so yeah. Okay. I, I like this idea of like, okay, you got Horford, but really he's your backup center. It's like, well, if he's going to be primarily your backup center, that also means you're going to be putting a lot of bench players, giving them a lot of time at the four. I actually wonder if they should, they should, spend more minute allocation at the wing mm-hmm. and just and make Tobias your backup four. Jesus. Yeah. I like I, all of a sudden I, that rotate you know what I'm saying? Like that's an easy thing to say, which is Al is just our backup five and that's great. And he'll play more minutes to the five than the four anyway. It's like mm, it's not that easy. Yeah. No, I, I get that. And I, I think you do play uh O'Quinn with Horford a bit and you kind of replicate what they did with Baines uh in Boston. Yeah, that's a, that's a smart point. Especially uh, in bench units who aren't gonna kill you anyway. Right. And and you have to trick Al Horford into thinking he's not playing center, um, because for whatever reason he doesn't realize that that's his best position and where he's yeah. most effective. I, I think my biggest concern and, and this is something that I advocated for all of last year when I was screaming that they should trade Embiid for Anthony Davis is Embiid, like him exploding at some point. And he, I think he's going to have to drop weight. I think he's going to have to get leaner. He's going to need to get his conditioning up because I understand that he was literally shitting himself during the Toronto series, but I, I think conditioning is a bit of a factor there as well. Um, and if he's going to have any hope, if they're going to have any hope of contending, he needs to drop weight. He needs to be a more assertive player. He needs to be more effective and efficient because he has had a significant drop off in the playoffs in the same way that Ben Simmons has. His efficiency has gone to shit. And I understand that there is context to that. But if you're pointing that, oh, well, he was a little banged up. I don't think he's ever going to be healthy. So he... Yeah he needs to make some adjustments to his game. And I think if he's really being that uh, throwback assertive force, that's just attacking the rim consistently, that does open up things for other guys that uh, can feed off of that in the same way that the 09 magic fed off Dwight Howard when they weren't cheating. Yes. I, I liked that joke. Um, I, I think ultimately the thing, if I like something about this Philly team and I'm out on quite a few parts of it and, I'm uncomfortable with quite a few parts. I do like saying, fuck it. 
these are if we're gonna win, it's gonna be because Simmons and Embiid were a big part of that. And if we mm-hmm. can't win with that that paradigm, then we need to get creative with something else. And I feel like if anything, this off season was really an admission of that for them. Um, yeah. And now those guys are gonna have to grow up a little bit. I, I think both of them have had uh, their professionalism called into question mm-hmm. uh, at times. It's, true. Uh, it's one of those classic fucking jimmy butler heartbreaking the worst person you know made a great point uh kind of situations where like yeah jimmy's difficult but you never question how hard he works and he just Mm -hmm. wants everyone to work as hard as he does yeah Um, hashtag heat culture man hashtag heat heat culture um so i think that that's a concern but ultimately i think i think they're probably as good as they were last year just with some minor differences um, and how Brett Brown figures out how to work with those differences will actually determine whether they're better or not. Yeah, I, I think they're they're going to be a very good regular season team, and a lot of our questions come down to matchups and, and adjustments. Yeah, and, I, yeah, in the regular season, man, I don't and, want to fucking touch that team. Yeah, and, and just how malleable uh, those lineups are. I, I think that's going to be a really, really big thing, and I'm probably one of the few people that would take Simmons over and be long-term, and a lot of that is health. I, I just think that he's just absolutely fantastic defensively and I, I think he's somebody that if you build a system around him you can be successful and I will once again point to their most successful run coming two years ago when Embiid was out and they just kind of pl- played pace and space with Simmons um, it, it's going to be really interesting um, I, I don't think we need to go too deep on Jimmy Butler with the heat I think it's no, obvious it's hilarious it, it's it's obvious what they're doing, and it may end up working out because they, they do have a little bit more flexibility, but it, he's basically the guy that's there to recruit another guy, and that's kind of the Pat Riley formula. So we awesome. don't need to, yeah, we don't need to go too deep on heat culture. Uh, we can talk briefly about eat culture in New Orleans. Zion already looking a little fat off the gumbo. Thick. Yeah, looking a little thick. Uh, I, I like their moves. I like adding favors. Um I like adding J.J. Redick. I think that that's a great addition there. Um, but I, I still don't fully buy into them being like this eight seed right off the bat because we saw LeBron struggle to make the playoffs with Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, and Lonzo. Taking Kuzma out of that equation, even if you're replacing him with J.J. Redick and replacing LeBron with Zion, it's I don't know if it's great. I, I get that Drew Holiday's there, and he's probably the best player on the team. But I, I just think there's too many question marks. There's too many young guys. And young guys that are, are going to be really pushing for a contract with, with those young Lakers that um, they, they certainly could potentially make a move. And I, I think that we'd have to kind of change our expectations accordingly. Um, but I, I just don't believe, as currently constructed, that this is a playoff team. Um, no, I don't think so either. Ultimately. Uh, Hey, Hey ball. Thanks for the follow. Uh, yeah, I don't think they are either. And I, I do think they have like too many players right now. That's my big gripe with them. It's like, Jesus Christ, you don't need 13 rotation. players. <laughs> um, you need to consolidate and get some guys who actually make sense next to Zion. That's the other gripe. I, you know, I, yeah, I like trade some of them, trade some of them for like Jordan Clarkson. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, there's just – that roster rubs me the wrong way just a little bit right now, and I think David Griffin's done a nice job. I just don't think he should be close to done just yeah. yet. Um, no, no, we are, I agree. 
we are starting to run a little long um, because God damn, it was just nice to talk to you again. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, I did want to say for the end of the show, um, a question that uh, is somewhat tied to the Kawhi Leonard um, pursuit. Okay. Um, uh, but I don't think uh, him choosing a destination either way will invalidate the question. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about how, uh, you know, the Raptors traded for this guy. They want a title. Normally that has, uh, you know, in the history of the league, that has meant you keep the guy around. He wants to stay and defend his title and yep. he feels a bond with the city and his teammates and he wants to stick around. And that clearly has not, it might've happened, but uh, you know, it, it definitely has not been like as obvious as, as, as it once was. And I was just thinking, man, how do you build a team in the modern NBA to actually succeed? And then I was thinking, has it ever been harder uh, in the cable uh, TV era to be a fan of an individual team in the NBA? Yeah, I, I think that that more than the parody thing is going to be what's kind of exhausting a lot of NBA fans. I mean, I don't want to speak for NBA fans in general, but I do see, at least with people I talk to, um, like there's some exhaustion about like the Kevin Durant Warriors. And I think that that's somewhat justifiable, but I think it's just become tougher and tougher when there's so much movement and there's this pre-agency and, and uh, things like that. I, I think that's what really weighs on fans because it's tougher to get invested. Um, even when uh, we were designing our Garland shirt, which uh, you guys can find on the Blue Wire site uh, under the merchandise, we launched that today and we're very excited about that. Um, but even when we did that, my wife pointed out, she's like, well, why are you doing that? Like, I, I, isn't there like a chance that he could be gone? You, you said that Kyrie was going to be there and he's gone. And like, just like from an outsider's perspective, there's so much turnover that it's tough to really get as invested. And I do think, Part, I, I one, I, I kind of hope that Kawhi goes elsewhere just because it's going to be a little more balanced. Um, I know I've shared this theory before where I think that um, a lot of kind of the extreme measures we've seen players go to to form these super teams is a response to the existence of a super team. And when it's a more even playing field and there's more teams that uh, have a chance at winning, you're going to have more guys that are content with their current situations and they're going to try to make that work. So I hope that this is a bit of a leveling out, um, especially with so much of the league, 50% of the league basically being free agents here. I do hope that this is kind of the start of a little more stability. Um, but I, I do think that that's a very valid concern. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, you know, I remember even when Garland got drafted and people were like, oh, well, Rich Paul's his agent, so he'll probably start trying to navigate him out of Cleveland in five years in our chat. And, like, that really bummed me out. I really wasn't thinking about it that way. But sometimes you kind of do at this point. Like, I, I feel like fans are less connected. It's funny because we have all this access with social media and we hear them on podcasts and stuff. But I almost feel like there's everyone feels less connected than they ever did. Right. these guys and um i don't know if it matters but as a as a fan of a specific team you know i think so much about what the nba is right now is uh, appealing to those fans of players and appealing to people who like drama and stuff like that like like the wide angle look and of course we like that ourselves but i don't think it's super easy to be a Cavs fan right now or a magic fan or a pacers mm-hmm. fan 
because um, you're kind of perpetually like on edge in a way that is tough. And, you know, I don't know if there's a solution because uh, uh, I don't really want to take away player empowerment, right. but it, it, it has been hard recently. No, no, I agree. And like, I understand not everybody's able to buy in to the same degree that I am. Like I'm fully excited about this team and I'm going to spend hours on kind of the bootleg user created versions of these rookies that we drafted on 2k and I'm, I'm going to have fun there, but I completely understand and emphasize, uh, emphasize, ah, empathize. empathize. There we go. Went real Stugats there. Um, but I, yeah, it's, I, completely can relate to people that find this a little bit exhausting and I, I hope that there is a bit of a shift and I understand that some of this does come uh, along with player empowerment and I think that it's good that people have more of an understanding that these guys are are people but at the same time I, I do think that moving away from uh, teams really being able to to build a culture and, and to build some sort of an identity uh, I, I think that that does take a toll uh, on the league. I mean, even a team like the Spurs have got blown up. Um, or, and, and, you know, I don't like to say this, but even the Celtics. Yeah. I, like, it matters. Like, these guys are constantly on the move and constantly looking at the next thing and planning right. four or five years in advance. And Right, but that's because Danny Ainge treated that team like a silo of assets, not an actual uh, basketball team. Maybe. Maybe maybe it's Kadani and just fall, but maybe it's just the new. No, no, norm. my my word is gospel, Carter. Please acknowledge it. Oh, sounds sounds right. Got it. <laughs> Anyways, um, we will be back next week, and we will talk more about the Cavs. And it's again, I'm disappointed that we don't have more summer league to talk about, but. Um, I, I think as time progresses here and uh, throughout this month of July, I think we're going to hear a little more rumors. There's still kind of the JR question that needs to be answered at some point one way or another. Uh, there's the expiring guys. There's going to be a whole lot to talk about. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners, everybody watching live on Twitch, even though it's a holiday, you guys are unreal with your support if you want to support us again you can check out the t-shirt we have launched on the bluewire.com website just go merchandise there it is the garland shirt um, you can also support us by subscribing on twitch or whatever your favorite podcast app is leave a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe to cook those books big and reminder by the way on twitch if you used your prime sub last month uh, that does expire after a month and does not auto re uh, subscribe. So if you want to continue to support us with your Twitch prime, go ahead and click that sub button in the upper right of the stream. Absolutely. You guys have been absolutely unreal with our support. You guys are awesome. And if you want to be part of our exclusive discord chat, you can do so by sending a screenshot of your review on whatever your favorite podcast app is to chasedownpod at gmail.com. And we will send you a link. Uh, so we will be back next week. Hopefully we'll have some Kawhi news to talk about because if it drags on beyond next week, that would be pretty exhausting. But uh, thanks again, guys. Thanks to Carter. Until next time, go Cavs.